presents Hollywood. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Roy Rogers, Martha Scott, and Albert Decker in In Old Oklahoma. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. First there was prairie and roving bands of the Plains Indians. Then there were white men, and the plain was broken by... And then one day, a trickle of oil came from the earth, and strange wooden towers rose across the land. The black gold gushed from the ground, and from all over America, men raced to get their share. So it was in every place where they found the black gold, and so it was in Oklahoma... In the days when men made fortunes overnight and fought at the drop of a hat, Republic Pictures made a roaring screen drama on the subject, and we've chosen it as tonight's play. It's called In Old Oklahoma. And the picture was based on the Thompson Burris story, War of the Wildcats. You hear Martha Scott and Albert Decker from the picture cast, plus a young man who makes his first appearance in the Lux Radio Theater tonight, Roy Rogers, the King of the Cowboys. Roy sings a mighty sweet song in his pictures. And his pictures play a mighty sweet tune at the box office. They tell me this kind of play is very popular with the boys on the fighting front. We've also discovered by way of the V-mail route that Lux Toilet Soap is popular there, too. Perhaps like me, you've often wondered what baggage a paratrooper carries when he jumps behind enemy lines. That's about the biggest adventure any man can embark on. But I, I have a V-mail note. Signed by three of the lads who wear the paratroop wings. And they say that the night they jumped in Sicily, they all had a cake of Lux in their toilet kit. <laughs> That's certainly a spectacular way for Lux toilet soap to arrive on the island of Sicily. And it's quite possible they're hearing tonight's play over there. So we'll raise the curtain on the first act of In Old Oklahoma. Starring Roy Rogers as Dan Summers, Martha Scott as Kathy, and Albert Decker as Jim Gardner. <laughs> $78,000 open two acres of oil. We get a chance to be millionaires. This here oil boom makes the land rush look like little casino. Oil, 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 oil. It's 1906, and a train jammed with workers bound for Oklahoma's fabulous new oil fields comes to a reluctant stop at the tiny town of Claiborne. A solitary passenger awaits at the station, surrounded by half a dozen red-faced women and a single woe-begone young man. Now, Mother, now, ladies, please. Just for one second, Mother. Ladies, will you kindly shut up? Now, Kathy, you don't have to leave Claiborne. Please don't go. Let go my hand, Walter. I'm going to miss the train. But you can live all this down. I don't want to live it down. I just want to live. Walter, you promised me you'd never speak to this horrible woman again. Kathy, tell them you'll never write another book. Tell them you're sorry and they'll forgive you. But I'm not sorry. I'm glad. But, Kathy, if, if you leave Claiborne, we can't get married. Married? I forbid it. No woman who writes such novels will ever call me mother. You shameless creature. <laughs> Jezebel's the word, Mrs. Ames. But don't worry. I'm leaving Claiborne for good. We're running you out of town. I'm leaving it by my own free will. I live as I choose and I'll write as I choose. For the first time in my life, I'm going to be free. Goodbye. Now, do you believe me, son? Kathy! 
Come on in. What? Oh, where am I? This is my private car, little lady. Paintings and, and books. And, it's so beautiful. I should say you are. Well, excuse me. I'll get right out. And where will you go? To another car, of course. But there isn't a seat on the train or any other ladies. Somewhere there's sure to be a gentleman. <laughs> Frankly, I doubt it. You see, this is an oil train. We're going to my oil fields at Sepulpa. That kind of work needs tough men, and that's just what those cars up ahead are filled with. Oh. So why don't you sit down here and be comfortable? You must be Mr. James E. Gardner. That's right. And while I don't know your name, I know you're an author, and that you're going to be free. Oh, you heard... Pretty hard not to hear. You sure told them off, little lady. Is that your book you're carrying? Yes. Hmm. A Woman Dares by Catherine Allen. Catherine Allen. Now, let's see. Catherine? No. Katie? Now, you don't look like a Katie. Let's see now. Kitten. Yes, that's it. Kitten. Kitten? A baby wildcat. Fits you perfectly. And now that you've agreed to share my private car, I'll start collecting the payment. One little kiss. Now, why on earth did you slap me? Well, why does a woman usually slap a man? You are a wildcat. But not nearly as wild as you apparently think, Mr. James E. Gardner. Oh, I'm not a Jezebel. I'm not even a good imitation of one. I'm a school teacher. <laughs> a school teacher? <laughs> and if you don't stop laughing, I'll slap your face again. Oh, I'm sorry. Where are you bound for, Kitten? Kansas City, so I can experience some of the things I've been writing about. So people can't say school teacher the way you just did. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. Oh, come on. Give me a chance to square myself. You know, Kitten, you can't learn about life in Kansas City. You should come to my town, Sepulpa. I'll show you more in five minutes than you can see in Kansas City in ten years. I simply don't know what to make of you. Well, I just... Oh, excuse me. I guess I should have knocked. What is this, cowboy? A hold-up? Yeah, for a seat, mister. This is a private car. I know, but I'm awful tired. Cherokee! If you're calling your engine bodyguard, he's up head playing poker. You see, mister, my horse died under me about ten miles out of Claiborne. I figured by now I've carried this saddle about long enough. And look, Mr. Gardner, he's an ex-soldier. Oh, you notice the pants. Well, it's your duty as a citizen, Mr. Gardner, to let him sit down. Yes, you're right, kitten. Sit down. Where are you going? You know, that's the very question I was arguing out with my horse just before he died. Where are you bound for, miss? Kansas City. Except I always wanted to go to Kansas City. Guess maybe that's where I am going. Oh, is that a box lunch over there? That's right. Is anybody mind? No, go right ahead. Well, you folks just pick up where you left off, and I'll get off over here in the corner and spend time with this cold turkey. <laughs> well, kitten, shall we take his advice? <laughs> yes. If you really want to live, you mustn't be afraid to take a chance. Just remember to leap first and look afterwards. That's what happened to my horse. He broke his neck. As you were saying, Mr. Gardner? Yes. Well, take my town, for example, Sepulpa. It was just a dust-covered prairie with a handful of farmers. But all the while, right under their feet, there was a fortune. <laughs> oh, boy. Say, you're going to have to excuse me, folks. It's this here book, A Woman Dare. What's so funny about that book? Listen to this. They kissed, and the sun and the moon and the stars reeled around them. Silliest thing I ever heard of. <laughs> An author is entitled to poetic license. Ain't nobody entitled to run that hog wild. Uh, let's see now. <laughs> and so Julia realized she now stood at the crossroads. Julie. Uh, yes, ma'am. Which way shall she turn? One road leads to John and dull security, and the other to Roger Hale, an exciting adventure. Oh, he's ruining it. Uh, read it to yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I've known plenty of women, kitten, but I've never wanted to ask them, any of them, what I've asked you. Get off it, the pulpa with me. If my hunch is right, you'll never be sorry. Mr. Gardner, you've known me for exactly two hours and ten minutes, and I... And if my hunch is wrong, there's always another train to Kansas City. But I couldn't. Why not? Aren't you Catherine Allen, the novelist? Yes, but, well, if someone were with me... But alone, I, I couldn't think of it. <laughs> Boy, I just can't stand any more of this here book. I, I'll bet whoever wrote it is a dried-up old maid who'd run a mile if a man ever even looked at her. So that's your opinion, is it? It sure is. You know, I once had the idea the girl in that book was warm and beautiful and courageous. But yes, I guess you're right, cowboy. Well, here's where I get off. Looks like we're at the crossroads, Kitty. How did it go in the novel? One road led to John and Dull Security and the other two. You see? Oh, oh, thank you, Mr. Gardner, but I'm still going to Kansas City. Oh, how long does the train stop here? About ten minutes. Well, then I'll have time to send a telegram to my Aunt Clara. And if you'll excuse me, I have to see the conductor about switching off my private car. I'll see you in the station. Sure, see you in the station, Mr. Gardner. Oh, Joe! Joe! Come here a minute. Well, Mr. Gardner, got you here on time like I promised. Fine trip, Joe. A little present for you. A hundred dollars? Well, thanks. I'd like to ask you something, Joe. Your usual stop here is ten minutes, isn't it? That's right. I'd consider it a personal favor, Joe, if you took this train out of here and say, uh, two minutes? Think you can do that? You could do most anything for a hundred dollars, Mr. Gardner. She'll be down the road in two minutes flat. Thanks, Joe. Like it, ma'am. Oh, station master, I was told the train would be here for ten minutes. So was I, ma'am. Appears to me we've been misinformed. When's the next train to Kansas City? Three days. If schedules mean anything. Oh, Christmas. Howdy. We've missed our train. Yes, ma'am. Well, what are you grinning at? It's none of my business, but I, I believe you're happy about it. Why on earth should I be happy? Him. Why, you... What? He was right, you know. A lot more excitement here than in Kansas City. I believe we're going to like it here. <laughs> you know, I believe I am, Happy. Well, I actually believe I am. Sure you are. You're lucky you left your luggage in Gardner's car. Come on, we'll pick it up. Oh, uh, please don't bother about me, Mr... Uh, Summers, Dan Summers. Summers, I can look out for myself beautifully. You know, my granny always says that next to eating peas with a sharp knife, ain't nothing so risky as a pretty girl looking out for herself. Well, your granny and I don't agree. Oh, there he is now. Oh, Mr. Gardner. Why, Kitten, what happened? Oh, the most terrible thing. The train went off and just left us here. Us here. I think that's wonderful. I was hoping that would happen. What'll I do? Yeah, what'll we do? Don't worry about it, Kitten. And don't you either, cowboy. Cherokee. Yeah, boss. Crank that automobile and let's go. Is it safe? Runs like a deer. Come on. Awesome. Goodbye, Mr. Summers. Goodbye. Thanks, Mr. Gardner. I'll be seeing you around. Most people do. Goodbye. Will you please take me to the hotel, Mr. Gardner? Sure, I live there. And until that train comes in for Kansas City, Kitten, you're going to school. I don't go to school. I teach school. This isn't Claiborne. Here, you go to school. And the teacher's name is James E. Gardner. <laughs> Honey, how do you like the room? Lovely, Miss Baxter. Thank you. Say, what brought you here anyway? I was bored, I guess. Mm -hmm. Just off the farm? School teacher. Come again? School teacher. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought you said. Now, right there down the hall is Jim Gardner's room. Like to see it? What? Well, honey, I don't get it. 
Well, neither did Mr. Gardner until I slapped his face. You slapped Jim Gardner's face? I most certainly did. Oh, honey, that's the best news in years. I gotta hear this from the beginning. Well, there's nothing to tell. I, I met him on the train, and then when I missed my other train, I just came here. You told him all about yourself? Everything, I'm afraid. And he still goes for you? Well, if you mean, did he bring me here, yes. Well, I'll be done. Confidentially, I, I'm glad I missed the train, but I wouldn't want him to think I'm the sort of a girl who let herself be glad and not have a chaperone. Have a what? A chaperone, someone like my Aunt Clara in Kansas City. Say, listen, honey, a game like this requires the services of a professional. Meet a new member of your family, Aunt Bessie. Aunt Bessie, you're wonderful. <laughs> you're crazy about the big guy, ain't you? No, I wrote about him even before I met him. He's exactly like that wonderful Roger Hale in my book. You wrote a book? Why, certainly. Oh, good glory. In my book, Roger leads Julie into a new world filled with exciting adventure. And they got married and lived happily ever after? Why, of course. Well, you got the right idea, honey. But when you're shooting for orange blossoms with Jim Gardner, you're playing for the highest stakes there is. Well, that's what he told me to do. Oh, uh, where'd you go? Down the cellar in the bathtub room. Him and a young fella. Like for you to meet him, Dan Summers. Oh, I know Mr. Summers, too. Well, you do? Surely. Well, honey, you're either the smartest or the dumbest school teacher I ever met up with. <laughs> Little Joe the Wrangler, he'll never wrangle more. His days, the Ramuda, they are done. Twas a year ago, last April. Hey, you! Behind the petition. Is that you, cowboy? That's right, Mr. Gardner. Bath sure feels good, huh? Yeah, you sing pretty nice, too. Thanks, ain't finished her yet. Next morning, just at sunup, we found where Rocket fell. Down in a washout 20 feet below. Beneath his horse mashed to a pulp, his spur had rung the knell. For our little Texas tray, poor Angler Joe. Kind of sad, ain't it? I rather liked it. Thanks, the steers always liked it, too. Cherokee. Yeah, boss? Come here, scrub my back. Say, cowboy. Yeah? I'm going to give you $200. To scrub your back? No, leave town. Well, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but then I like you. I like you so much that I'm paying you to get out instead of having you thrown out. You are, huh? Yeah, is it a deal? You see, I don't like competition in oil wells or ladies. Well, I don't think you have any competition. I'll think about your offer, though. Just make sure your mind's made up for the time you're dressed. <laughs> What do you mean, putting on boss clothes? Hey, take them off clothes. What's the idea, cowboy, stealing my clothes? Well, you figured on giving me $200, and I figure that's too much. So I'm settling for your clothes. Are you going to take them off, or does Cherokee take over? I sure like these clothes, Mr. Gardner. Go to work, Cherokee. Sure, boss. Don't make trouble, cowboy. Don't want bullet hole in boss clothes. Put down that gun, engine. No, put down gun. You put down clothes. Okay. I guess you win. You want his gun, Mr. Gardner? No. You want a job? Yeah. You've got one. I overestimated Cherokee. He's fired. You're my new bodyguard. Oh, uh, these clothes go with it? Okay. I'm hired. So long as I don't have to wash your back. The first thing for you to do is find Miss Allen. Tell her I'll meet her tonight at 8 o'clock. Right. 8 o'clock. We'll be waiting for her, won't we? <laughs> In just a few minutes, Mr. DeMille presents Martha Scott, Roy Rogers, and Albert Decker in Act Two of In Old Oklahoma. 
And now, it's teenage business. Why, Ellen, you look lovely. What have you been doing to your skin? Oh, thank you, Mary. It does seem to work, doesn't it? What seems to work? Don't be tantalizing. Why, those beauty facials I've been taking like mad, of course. You said that... Of course I did. I said your skin looks divine. What I want to know is, silly, what beauty facials? Oh, of course. Uh, I forgot you weren't taking them. But you really should, you know. Of course I should. Now, please tell me what beauty facials. Do they cost much? How long do they take? How long before my skin will look as lovely as yours? Takes them. Loretta Young takes them. Betty Grable takes them. Veronica Lake, Rosalind Russell, Dorothy Lamour. Practically every star in Hollywood. Nine out of ten of them. Because they get results. Really make skin lovelier in a short time. Why doesn't somebody hurry and say, what beauty facials? Do they cost much? Where do I get the things I need? How long do they take? Hollywood's beauty facials, the Lux Soap facials that really make skin more beautiful are inexpensive, quick, and easy to take. Just cover your face generously with the rich Lux Soap lather, work it in gently but thoroughly, rinse with warm water and splash with cold. Pat with a nice soft towel to dry. <laughs> your skin feels better already. Recent tests prove that regular facials with Lux Toilet Soap improved actually three out of four complexions. This mild white soap with active lather really does things for the skin. It's on the shopping list of lovely women everywhere. In New York, in Alabama. In Texas, in Oregon. In Hollywood. Nine out of ten screen stars use it. Why don't you ask your dealer for Hollywood beauty soap? If he's temporarily out of stock due to wartime conditions, he's sure to have more soon. Remember, Lux Toilet Soap is worth waiting for. Now, our producer, Mr. DeMille. Act two of In Old Oklahoma, starring Martha Scott as Kathy, Roy Rogers as Dan Summers, and Albert Decker as Jim Gardner. <laughs> Catherine Allen is determined to leave for Kansas City in three days. But secretly, she is equally determined to make those three days unforgettable. A conviction ardently shared by Jim Gardner. Jim gets Jeff off to a perfect start by taking the righteous little schoolteacher to her first cabaret. But at the table for two, a third party is waiting for them. Jim's new bodyguard, Dan Summers, is taking his job very seriously. Good evening. Good evening, Mr. Summers. Say, Mr. Gardner, this is sure some place. Nothing better this side of Chicago. I ought to know I own it. You can run along now, Summers. Oh, but I got to look after your interest, boss. Were you invited? Well, if I'm going to be your bodyguard, I figure... Well, I've got to guard your body. Go on, get out. You mean you want me to go? Definitely. Okay, I can take a hint. Well, Jim, maybe he should stay. Now, what on earth? Well, she means that a man like you, Mr. Gardner, who's made so much money so quickly is... Fine apt to have a few enemies. A few? I've got dozens. Now get. Okay, I'm getting. Night. Night. Kitten, get gorgeous. I'm just about to take my breath away. You leave me a little bracelet too. Like to dance before the champagne comes? Champagne? Oh. <laughs> That's just what I'm going to make these three days for you, honey. One long and beautiful Christmas. I hear bells ringing already, Jim, without the champagne. <laughs> Philippines, back now, though. Smelled oil all the way down there, did you? Oil? Oil don't interest me, though. Hey, 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 what are you looking at? Oh, 
Gardner's got a new gal, huh? Yep. Well, uh, what's up, Dalton? I've been hearing rumors that you're getting kind of soft-hearted. Yeah? Who started that? Don't know, but there's a real charitable act you can do for me. Well, you know me, Daniel. Well, I sure wish I was sitting at Jim Gardner's table right now. Yeah? You see, I'm Jim's new bodyguard, and I figure if someone was to attack him, and, well, and I should save his life, well, I figure that... Uh... Leave it to me and the boys, son. Just leave it to me. Just brought the champagne, kitten. We'll finish the dance later, hmm? Oh, and flowers. Oh, Jim. They're not going to look like much when you're next to them, honey. It's another world. All right, Gardner, you've been asking for this. Now you're going to get it. Jim! What are you talking about, Dalton? You're a double-crossing lion, a cheap crook. He's not cheap, and drop that gun, Dalton. I'll sure hate to drill you in the back. You keep out of this, cowboy. I said drop that gun. That's better. Gardner may be a fast-thinking four-flusher, but... Nobody's going to kill him when I'm around. Well, I guess you win, cowboy. Desperate, Blackie. Yeah. yeah. Get this man out of here. Come along, Jordan. We got law and order here, and we need to enforce it. Get going here. Yes, I guess you got me, boy. I don't know what come over me. Hey, folks, start the music. Let's get back to your tables and have... Jimmy a... might have killed you. I don't understand it. I always played ball with Dalton. Well, I tried to warn you, Mr. Gardner, but you're too trusting. I tell you, this ain't no easy job I walked into. Let's sit down, huh? Yeah. This is my chair. Sit over there. Well, I couldn't do that. You might get attacked again. My granny always says it's impolite to shoot across a lake. All right, Summers. As long as you're here, we may as well talk business. But only for a minute, Kitten. Summers, tomorrow afternoon we're driving out to the Indian Reservation. Well, good. I've got some friends out there I'd like to see again. The richest oil lands in Oklahoma are owned by those Indians, and I want to buy them. They'll be glad to sell them, Jim. Surely they're not worth anything to the Indians. <laughs> Brush up on your sign language, Kitten. Maybe you can convince them of that. <laughs> Have you seen the government man yet, the engine agent? You mean Mason? Yeah. He's sure a square shooter, Mr. Gardner. What are you trying to say, that I'm not? I've spoken to Mason, and I've spoken with my lawyers. We're not going to have any trouble, Summers. Well, still, I think we ought to keep Miss Allen at home. Oh, I don't mean there'd be any danger. It's, well, it's just that Indians don't fancy in, uh, ladies hanging around when they're talking business. Well, I guess you can sit in the automobile, Kitten, while we do the palavering. Of course, it'll make Mr. Summers happy. Too bad, though. You know, I figured out power might be pretty interesting to a writer. Who's a writer? Miss Allen. I think you were reading her book on the train. You mean uh, a woman there? Uh-huh, that's right, Mr. Summers, remember? A dried-up old maid who'd run a mile if a man even looked at her. Oh, better find a doctor, Summers. Doctor? Yeah, looks to me like you've just been clawed by a baby wildcat. <laughs> Big Tree, Daniel Summers. Oh, where have you been? In the Army, Big Tree, but... I think I'll be staying around here for a while now. Oh, that's good, Dad. This your home. Not good, leave home. And this is Jim Gardner, Big Tree, big white chief of Sepulpa. He asked for Powell. That's right, Big Tree. I want to be your friend. He your friend, Dan? Sure, him like big wind. He speaks grass, trees, rabbits, everything goes. Big man, powerful. White chief, speak. Well, Big Tree, your tribe owns much land. This land has only trees and rocks. Hunting here, no good anymore. Rain will not grow. Buffalo gone now. Your sons will be poor and hungry. I want to buy the land from you. Mm. If land no good, why do you want to buy? Because I want to get what is under the land. Oil. Make big pile of money. And my people, what they get? Money too. From every dollar I make, I'll give your people twelve and a half cents. It's like this, big tree. I know. If we sell you land... My people get every day $1,000. That's it. 
some land that's worthless to you now. That's what you say. Well, I'd just soon keep quiet, Big Tree. Go ahead and tell him, Daniel. Well, Big Tree, I, I think you'd be suckers. Sucker? Oh, uh, sucker's what a squirrel is when he lets a woodpecker steal the nuts he's stored up for the winter. Oh. My friend has uh, spoken, Mason. Yes? Follow over. I know signed paper with white sheep. That's great work, cowboy. What the devil do you expect to get out of this? Not a raise in pay. I signed paper with Don Summer. Yeah, then? No, Big Tree. I ain't in the oil business. You bet you're not. This doesn't settle a thing. I'm going to get the oil that's on this land. That's enough, Jim. Guess we'd better be going. I'm going. I'm going straight to Washington. Hey, wait for me. I'm driving just a pulper in my automobile. About 20 miles. And if you want to get back, try crawling on your belly. I'm terribly sorry you lost the Indian land, Jim. But I haven't lost the kitten. I'll go direct to Washington. I get what I want. Day after tomorrow, I'll be on that train too, won't I? That's right. Well, I hope my ticket's correct. You think it is? Well, let's stop here a minute and I'll take a look at it. Here. It'd be awful if I were left behind again, wouldn't it? Sure would, kitten. But Jim, you're tearing up my ticket. Oh, you didn't really think I'd let you get away from me, did you? I wasn't sure. I'm crazy about you. And you know it. Jim. Last time I did that, you slapped me. Sorry about the ticket? If you hadn't torn it up, I would have. On my train, you don't need tickets. I'm the conductor, the engineer. And I'll take you to all the places you've ever dreamed of. I don't care whether we go to the moon or stay right here. As long as we're always together, Jim. Always, kitten? That's a pretty long time. Forever, darling. You know, I've got an idea you're going to interest me for quite a while. But wherever that place is along the line, you get tired of the scenery. Just jump off. Oh, is that the way we travel? It's the only way I ever travel. But I promise you, you won't be the loser. I'm sure I won't be the loser, Jim. Because I'm getting off right here. What are you talking about? I'm sorry, Jim. I guess we sort of misunderstood each other. Oh, now, wait a minute. Goodbye. Oh, but you can't walk back to town. I wouldn't bet any money on that if I were you. All right, then, walk. It'll do you good. When you reach the pumper, you'll know where to find me. Oh, hello. Hello. I borrowed this horse and buggy from an engine. Come on, get in. No, thank you. Well, do you mind if I drive alongside here? It's a free road, isn't it? Yep, mighty lonesome, too. Oh, well. I've learned a lot about women from a certain girl I know. She's held my hand and knows my brand. Still, I don't seem to have a show. Now, I've been on the level and know the golden rule. But she keeps on acting like an army mule. I've learned a lot about women. If women are all like you, keep on a walking. If women are all like you, boots, boots, pick them up and lay them down. Boots, boots, marching into town. Hold your pretty chin up and keep on hiking, sister. Cause your little tootsies are heading for a blister. I've learned a lot about women if women are all like you I'll take the army if women are all like you well I sure can sing awful pretty huh I wouldn't know I wasn't listening well what are you doing a long way out here it's going to be kind of dark here in a few minutes what 
it didn't look like I'm doing. Wandering around out here at night ain't exactly safe. I've told you before, I can take care of myself. Well, you better keep an eye out for rattlesnakes, though, and, and wolves and skunks. And... Oh, well, come on, horse. Get up. Thanks, old coyote. <laughs> whoa, horse. Whoa, whoa. Look, look I, I've, I've changed my mind. Yeah, I was hoping you would. Get in. Oh. Can I help you? Thank you. Oh, dear. Dan. Oh, well, that's better. What? Jim told me the Indians offered you the oil lease. Yep. Well, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. That's what I thought. Why? Well, with those Indian lands, you could really do something worthwhile. If the government says so. No, I never gave it much thought one way or the other. Do you want to be a cowboy all your life? Wear other men's clothes? Don't you realize you could be big, bigger than anyone around here? <laughs> Look, little lady, would you be satisfied if I just went back and punched Jim Gardner right in the nose? Oh. Us all rich. Well, look, Dad, I just came back from the reservation. Uh, now, what are you talking about, anyway? Son, let me shake the hand that shook the pulpa. We heard all about it, and we want you to take the oil lease from the Indians. The whole town's backing you against Jim Gardner. Well, I said I didn't want it, and that still goes. Well, you're the only one the Indians are leased to. But don't you see, after what I told Big Tree, if, if I went and took the lease now, it'd be kind of like double crossing Gardner. Gardner does everything legal, Daniel, that's true. But he's taught us that a man can cheat and lie and still be legal. And we're getting sick and tired of him making money off in our oil land. I know, but drilling oil wells takes money and lots of it. And that's what we're trying to tell you, Dan. We raise the money. Us little fellas, Daniel. It'll be us and the engines instead of Gardner. What do you say? Don't let us down, Summer. Yeah, we got some, right? No, I just ain't the man for the deal. Of course you are. Huh? I know this is none of my business, but you're just the man. Jim Gardner says he'll get the Indian land and he's going to Washington to do it. Well, if he can, you can. And if you don't think anything of yourself, Dan Summers, think of these people. If you work those lands, you'll give us all a chance. Well, we can lick that Jim Gardner to a frazzle. Well, I, I know how all you folks feel, and I'd like to please you, but still, i got to sleep on this proposition for a while. Oh, that's good enough for me. Inside, everybody drinks on the house and dance until midnight. Come here, girl. Yes? Ain't you uh, taking kind of a roundabout trip for them orange blossoms, honey? Come on, we'll dance. I'm not made of glass, you know. Huh? I won't break. Oh. <laughs> this better? Much. <laughs> well, I'm warning you, my feet ain't half as light as my head. You're a fine dancer. Yes, Summers, you seem to understand all about dancing. Oh, hello, Mr. Gardner. But this is to warn you to stay out of things you don't understand. <laughs> Get in back! Get oh. in Hey, what happened? Three guesses, son. Gardner? Give the gent a cigar. He sure put you to sleep, Dan. <laughs> well, I guess I've slept on that proposition long enough. How do I get to Washington? We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
After a brief intermission, Mr. DeMille returns with Roy Rogers, Martha Scott, and Albert Decker for Act Three of In Old Oklahoma. And now, there's a little conference going on between two young war workers who share an apartment. It's my turn to do the marketing this week, Marion. Just check the list, though, will you? Mm, let's see. Oranges, bread, coffee, eggs, soap. Oh, Janie, dear, do me a special favor, won't you, and get some luck? Oh, sure, but isn't that soap in the bathroom all right? Oh, it's all right, but it isn't stupid the way Lux is. I want a soap for my bath that really lathers. We know what Marion means. Sometimes it seems like hard work to coax lather out of soap. It seems a little bit like this, in fact. But now, unwrap a smooth white cake of Lux toilet soap. In a jiffy, as soon as you t- touch it to water, you get a quick, creamy lather like this. That wonderful creamy Lux lather is one reason why so many Hollywood stars use their complexion soap as a bath soap, too. Lovely women everywhere say a Lux soap beauty bath whisks away every trace of the day's dust and dirt. Leave skin fresh, really sweet. It's nice to know that active lather makes you really sure of daintiness. And I love the delicate fragrance Lux soap leaves on my skin. A bath soap that's luxurious, but thrifty, too. Lux toilet soap is hard milled. That means you can use it down to the thinnest sliver. It's patriotic not to waste soap now, you know. So here's another thrift tip. Always put your Lux toilet soap in a soap dish that's dry. Now, Mr. DeMille returns to the microphone. We'll have a chat with a cowboy and a lady after the play. But now we raise the curtain on the third act of In Old Oklahoma, starring Roy Rogers, Martha Scott, and Albert Decker. Several weeks have gone by since Kathy's plea and Jim Gardner's fist swept Dan Summers into the oil business. Back from Washington, both men impatiently await the government's decision. It arrives in Sepulpa in the form of two identical telegrams, one to Dan and one to Albert Fenton, Jim Gardner's lawyer. They turned you down, Jim. They turned you down. Read me the last part of that telegram again. This grant to Daniel Summers shall be null and void unless a minimum of 10,000 gallons of oil are delivered to the refinery at Tulsa, Oklahoma by next August 31st. If these conditions are not met, the leasing rights will be awarded to James E. Gardner. Well, there it is, Jim. Yeah. It's perfectly obvious why we lost out. Summers agreeing to give the Indians 50% of the profit. Oh, calm down, Fenton. That's his privilege. Besides, the telegram gives him only four months. Well, that's what he asked for in Washington, four months. And that's where he made his mistake. It just can't be done in four months. Let's play it safe, Jim. Let's make certain he fails. No, I'm giving him the same chance the government's giving him. And I can't lose. <laughs> Let's see. Yes. Smell this sand. It's gas fumes, all right. And that means oil, a gusher. It means we've won. Sure it does, Daniel. Today's only August 8th. That gives us three whole weeks to pipe it into Tulsa. We're celebrating tonight, Desperate. Now get on into town. Bessie promised she'd come out here and feed us the best dinner in Sopop for the day we hit oil. Guess Miss Allen would be kind of interested in this news, too. Hey, look, Daniel. Is that that engine who used to work for Gardner? Yeah. You looking for somebody, Cherokee? Look for you. What job? Mosey on, Desperate. I'll take care of you. Yeah, see you later, Daniel. Right. Why don't you ask your old boss for a job, Cherokee? Oh, no, bad man. You good man. You work for Indian. I work for you. You really serious about working? Sure. Me good worker. Well, let's see how good you are unloading these barrels. I get busy and we'll talk later. Sure, boss. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Dale. I've just done my chore. Now, get a hold of that there guitar and give us a song, eh? Can't let my boys starve. They call this one, When My Blue Moon Turns to Gold Again. 
When my blue moon turns to gold again When the rainbow turns the clouds away When my blue moon turns to gold again You'll be back in my arms to stay Memories that linger in my heart Memories that make my heart grow cold But someday they'll live again, sweetheart And my golden moon is just a memory The lips that used to thrill me so Your kisses were meant for only me In my dreams they live again, sweetheart my golden moon is just a memory When my blue moon turns to gold again When the rainbow turns the clouds away When my blue moon turns to gold again You'll be back in Hot meal till we hit Tulsa. Oh, Kathy. Oh, Dan, it's so wonderful. Kind of unbelievable. Here, I, I got something for you, Kathy. A bottle of sand. Oil sand. Well, it just looks like oil sand. It's really a bottle full of rainbows. I always make a wish when I see a rainbow. I'll make one for both of us. You mind? Any way you want it, that's the way I want it. Well, hadn't we better go give Bessie some help? Well, I was hoping maybe we could uh, talk. But you never talk, Dan. That's because my granny always says the second filler's got to wait his turn before he can sing out good and loud. Dan, if you'd made the wish, what would it have been? Well, you know that bend in the river where the cottonwoods are? Uh-huh. I'd, I'd build me a house right there. I didn't know you ever thought of such things. Well, I've thought about things like that ever since I was a kid. Smoke coming out of the chimney, horses in the corral, and the best herd of cattle in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm... Pretty near a dashing tycoon, things will be different. Bigger house, more cattle, and a fancy stable instead of that old pole corral. Is that all you want? Well, what else is there? Oh, Dan, if I were going to be a dashing tycoon, I'd be dashing. I'd have automobiles and private railroad cars. And if I found someone I wanted, I'd sweep her right off her feet. I'd take her with me right to the end of the line. You, you would, huh? I most certainly would. I... What? Why, Dan. You know, doggone, I'm going to like this dashing tycoon business. <laughs> Kathy, I'd sure like to kiss you again. Get back, Kathy, get back! Dad, Dad. There goes the oil well, Kathy. There goes the rainbow. Dad, look, in the plane. Two men, they'll burn to death. Send for a doctor, quick. I'm going to get them out of there. <laughs> What are you trying to tell me, Cherokee? That you did it? Sure. Use dynamite. Everything blew up. Oil wells, Derek, all gone. You thought I'd like that? Sure. I know like cowboy, you know like cowboy. Now I get old job back, huh? You crazy fool, I ought to... Who is it? Please let me in, Jim. I've got to see you. Just a minute, kitten. Cherokee, get inside there. Hurry. Sure. Jim, down on it. Sands on his way here. Someone blew up our well. I had nothing to do with it, kitten. Two men were killed, Jim. And you rushed here to warn me. Thanks. But don't worry, there won't be any more killing. Oh, you've beaten us. And now you've got to stop things before they get any worse. 
You know, you're the most... You're more attractive than ever. Oh, Jim, stop it. Let go of me. Jim. Where's Cherokee? Better get out of here, cowboy. Where is he, Kathy? Where's Cherokee? I don't know, Dan. There's no one else here. I saw him come up. I want that Indian gardener. Wilkins and Todd are dead, and that's... That's going to be paid for if I have to have tear you and the whole town apart. Dad, look out! So he wasn't here, Kathy. Dad, I... Gardner, there's only one thing more I want from you. There's a chance we can still operate if I can get hold of a portable oil rig. I'm going to borrow yours. Why don't you go out and take it? That's just what I'm going to do. But first I'm telling the sheriff why I killed your pet rattlesnake. What are you going to tell him? That you killed Cherokee in self-defense. The same thing I'm going to tell him about you if I find you on my property. Dan, I must talk to you. Now, it's pretty plain to me why you picked the side that you want. So just stay there where you are. How's it going, Desperate? She's going good, Daniel. We'll hit that oil again any minute. Uh, say, you never did tell me how you got this portable rig. It's uh, gardeners, ain't it? Yeah. I started a prairie fire. Yeah. Yeah. Gardeners are coming. Him and about 50 men. We're getting our life. Any fight will be between Gardner and me. Get back to the rig and get ready to cap the gush. Okay, Dan. Hello, Summers. I don't suppose you heard about the prairie fire over at my field last night. Put her out? Yeah. When the boys got back, my portable rig was missing. Same rig you're using now. You don't say. All right, men. Take down the rig. Get away from that rig. Turn around, Gardner. Look over the top of that hill. Oh. Yeah, I see. There's about 300 engines up there, Gardner. All I have to do is fire a shot and they start closing in. Huh? I guess we've had a ride out here for nothing. All right, boys. The rig stays put. Clear out. That's better. But I'm staying a while, cowboy. Stealing a rig is against the law, and I mean to pound that law into your thick head. You put me to sleep once, Gardner. Here's your chance to do it again. Pipeline. Yeah, I just bought the pipeline. You can keep the rig, cowboy. And thanks for the gusher. Let's go, boys. Uh, George, I thought everything bad that could happen has happened. And now this. Well, we're going to get this oil to Tulsa, Desperate. We'll do it with wagons. Daniel, it just can't be done. Round up every horse and every man you can. Get drugs. Telegraph relay stations and dig up everything on wheels that'll carry oil. But there ain't half a dozen of them old oil tankers uh, uh, ready fit to use. Well, then we'll build them. There's lumber, there's tire, and there's tonight. Hurry up, Desperate. We still got a chance. <laughs> Ready, Dan. Coffee and sandwiches. Bessie's putting it on the wagon. How do you know? Because I've been helping her, that's why. Who asked you to help? Jim Gardner? Oh, there are times I wish I was a man, Dan Summers, and this is one of them. Why not? You, you picked your pasture. Before I had. I didn't pick anything. You just took it for granted because... I just did what you said, Daniel. And if we wasn't ready to roll, I'd horsewhip you. I doubt if it'd do any good, Desperate. Yeah. Will I see you at the relay station? I'll be there, Desperate. Good luck. Good luck, Dan. Well, line up the wagons, Desperate. Single file and close together. Told you a minute ago we was all ready. And what are you waiting for? 
All right, boys, climb on your wagon. Boys, I don't have to tell you what it means that we reach Tulsa by 6 o'clock tonight. That's the time the refinery closes. Just do your best and remember Sam Wilkins and Johnny Todd. All right, boys, let them roll. Yeah! Look, Jim, Summers must have 40, 50 wagons out there. Yeah. Summers did his job well. How well did you do yours? We got 10 of our men spotted in among his wagons. That means at least 10 of those wagons will never reach Tulsa. That's not enough. I know it. But in about 20 minutes, they'll be right at the mouth of this canyon. And that's as close to Tulsa as they'll ever get. I borrowed an idea from Summers. This. Fairy fire. Somebody once said you got to fight fire with fire. Good work, Fenton. And give me a handful of those matches. Never get here. What in tarnation happened to you? Prairie fire, mouth of the canyon. Desperate, get those teams changed. Yes, and you got through? Well, we're here, Bessie. We left four wagons and some of Gardner's men back at the canyon. Bessie, have you seen... Yeah, he's here. Dan, you're hurt. You're burned. Come on over to the chuck wagon. Maybe I can help you. If you want to help, just stay out of my way. Hey, you jughead. You been riding upside down? I just wish somebody would learn to keep their mouth shut. Well, that's what we promised her we'd do. And that's what caused this trouble. Bessie, please. You thought she went to warn Gardner the day our gusher was dynamited. Well, you lop-eared mule, it was you she was thinking about. Trying to keep you out of trouble. But you was too crazy mad to think of anyone but yourself. It's all right, Bessie. Just been a little mixed up. Yes, ma'am. I guess I'm plenty mixed up. Oh, it's about time you start unraveling. I'm sorry, Kathy. I'm awful sorry. Let's not talk about that, Dan. Let's talk about... The bend in the river. Those cottonwoods. Do you remember that? Of course I remember. And the house and the pole corral and... Now, the boys here say Gardner's in Tulsa. That means he'll be helping Witherspoon close them there gates right on the dot of six. Hey, did I hear the name Witherspoon? Charlie Witherspoon? Yeah, he's the superintendent of the refinery at Tulsa. And he's the one who's going to close them gates? That's right. Oh, over my dead body. And it ain't dead yet. Come on, honey. You and me has work to do. Where's my buggy? Goodbye, Dan. See you in Tulsa. At six o'clock. All right, Desperate. Let's get rolling. Don't you think we ought to wait till you hitch the horses? Huh? Oh. Yeah. Go right in, Mr. Gardner. Mr. Witherspoon's expecting. Thanks. Oh, hello there, Mr. Gardner. Say, pretty near to five o'clock. It looks like you get those Indian lands. It's all over but the celebrating, Charlie. Come on, get your hat. Oh, it can't leave until closing time, Mr. Gardner. That's right, Charlie. Stick to your principles. But at least you can't have a drink with me, can't you? I brought along something very special. Mm, my, my. You know, Charlie, I got some big plans for the future, and you're in them. Because I like a man with principles. You mean that, Mr. Gardner? I always say what I mean. Well, let's drink to the future. To the future and the Indian land. Come on, Charlie. Take another drink. Sure, Jim. But I just about drunk that whole bottle already. Going to buy out this refinery soon, and you and I are going to go a long ways together. Long, long, long way, Jim. Right. Charlie. Yep, partner. Look at your watch. Why? It's six o'clock. Lock up, Charlie, and we'll paint the town. You bet, Jim. Red in the rooster's comb. Charlie, Charlie, with us. Uh, it's Bessie. Charlie, how are you? Hiya, Jim. Well, Bessie Baxter, my soulmate. Oh. Well, don't cry, Charlie. I'm just glad to see you, Bessie. Meet my friend, Kathy Allen. How do you do, Mr. Witherspoon? 
And Jim Gardner, imagine finding you here. Yes, quite a coincidence. Golly, I don't like to interrupt this little reunion, but it's after six. That's right. Uh, wait here with the ladies, Mark. Close up. I'll be right back, and then we'll all celebrate. Charlie, that's just what you told me 15 years ago, and you'll never come back. This time I'm going with you. Aren't you going to congratulate me, Kitten? Before the fight's over. The fight is over. The cowboy was licked before he started. Look, honey, you and I have wasted a lot of time. Let's get back on the train. This time we'll go straight to the end of the line with no stopovers. Except at Niagara Falls. What do you say? I got off that train a long time ago, Jim. I'm trying to catch a ride on a cowboy's wagon, and here it comes. Look! Alex! Alex! Yes, Mr. Gardner? Where did Witherspoon go? He and Miss Baxter left a minute ago. Where? She said she was taking him for a little buggy ride. This office still open? Yes, indeedy. We're open until Mr. Witherspoon gets back. We got 10,000 gallons of oil to check in. Yes, sir. I'll go get the form. Oh, Dan, Dan. I bet you're going to say you knew all along I'd do it. Of course I am. It's true, Dan. So wonderfully true. Just like in the book, huh? Uh-uh. Just like in my dreams. Well, cowboy, you made it. But you can't bring in oil every day with a horse and wagon. I've got a pipeline. And I've got a proposition for you. We'll take it up in my office when I get one. Why not right now? In there. Witherspoon's office. Sure. Excuse us, Kathy. Hey, Kathy, where'd Daniel go? He's in conference with Jim Gardner. <laughs> That's the most interesting conference I ever heard. <laughs> well, Dan, what did you decide? Nothing yet. I presented an idea to Gardner, and he's sleeping on it. <laughs> I... I got one to present to you, too, Kathy. You shot that there lady and I'll fill you full of holes. <laughs> Put down your gun, Desperate. This idea is about a house by the river. Oh, well, guess I'll sit down inside and just look at Gardner. Uh, we could put on an extra room, Dan. Huh? Why? So your granny could come and live with us. Oh, uh, just one catch to that. What? I've never had a granny in my life. You, you see, she was only a... a, a... Poetic license? Yeah, you know, like... They kissed, and suddenly the sun and the moon and... and the stars reeled around them. Is that still the silliest thing you ever heard of, Dan? Well, I ain't sure right now. Let's find out, huh? Well, Mr. Summers? Honey, where where can I get one of them, them licenses? <laughs> From old Oklahoma, we turn to present-day Hollywood and a curtain call for Martha Scott, Roy Rogers, and Albert Decker. Oh, thank you, Mr. DeMille. It's a pleasure to be back. There was only one disappointment. Roy didn't bring his wonderful horse, Trigger. Well, gee, I'm sorry about that, Martha. Trigger will be mighty pleased to know that you're a admirer of his. <laughs> I have a horse, too, Roy, but I'm afraid I don't ride as well as you do. Where'd you get acquainted with horses, Roy? I was raised on a ranch, Albert. Radio must seem a little tame to a real riding, roping cowboy. No, I think radio's a wonderful thing. Now, look how many people tried Lux Soap because they heard it about, well, heard about it on this program. Well, you got to remember, Roy, that a lot of women made the same discovery I did, that Lux Soap is a grand complexion care. If it wasn't good, nobody'd have to use it a second time. Yeah, but radio's the way they found out. I, I really owe a lot to radio. So, some boys and I, we had a cowboy band, and we were broadcasting over a little radio station down in New Mexico a few years ago, and... Uh, one day we happened to mention on the air that we, well, that some food would kind of come in handy. As a matter of fact, we weren't eating very regular, and, 
And that's when I decided that radio was really wonderful. <laughs> did, it, did it bring in a few good New Mexico hamburgers? Sure did. One girl sent me personally two lemon pies. And boy, the kind you really dream about. I went around to her house and, and thanked her for them. And not only was she a good cook, but... Chuck, she was beautiful, too. What would you have done, Mr. DeMille? A beautiful girl made lemon pies beautifully? Well, I... Yeah, if I'd been in your place, I, Roy, I'd have married her. That's what I did. <laughs> well, my regards to Mrs. Rogers, and tell uh, her I like lemon pie, too. Oh, yes, sir. Say, uh, what kind of play do you have next week, Mr. DeMille? Oh, it's a fine drama, Roy. And a four-star cast. It's the Warner Brothers screenplay, The Hard Way. And we'll have the same stars who made the picture famous hit. At French Tone, Miriam Hopkins, Anne Baxter, and Chester Morris. The Hard Way is a backstage story of the theater. And two women, sisters, one in search of fame and one in search of love. I like the picture very much, T.B. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. They certainly suck oil tonight. Sponsors, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when the Lux Radio Theater presents Miriam Hopkins, Francho Tone, Chester Morris, and Ann Baxter in The Hard Way. This is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night to you from Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, this month marks the 32nd anniversary of the Campfire Girls. A fitting time for the nation to salute their fine record of service in both war and peace. And here's an important wartime job for every housewife in the land. Save every drop of used fats from your kitchen. Turn them into your butcher. He'll give you two meat ration points and four cents a pound for them. Remember, those waste fats will be put right to work to make life-saving medicine for our fighting men. Roy Rogers appeared through the courtesy of Republic Pictures and is currently starred in Hands Across the Border. Albert Decker appears through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, producers of Lady in the Dark. The screenplay in Old Oklahoma, which was heard tonight, has no connection with the Theater Guild Broadway musical hit, Oklahoma. Heard in tonight's play were Martha Wentworth as Bessie, Jim Nusser as Cherokee, and Stanley Farrar, Eddie Marr, Ken Christie, Bob Haynes, Noreen Gamille, Charles Seale, Horace Murphy, Norman Field, Leo Cleary, and John McIntyre. This program is broadcast to our fighting forces overseas through cooperation with the Armed Forces Radio Service. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers. And this is your announcer, John M. Kennedy, reminding you to tune in again next Monday night to hear Francho Tone, Miriam Hopkins, Janet Blair, and Chester Morris in The Hard Way. <laughs>